Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. Chewie. We're home. I bypassed the compressor. You were the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I am here with my co-host. She is more fun than Jar Jar Binks at a Minoc roast on Ardenia. It's Lindsay. <laughs> I, I know you mean it as a compliment. I'm just worried that other people <laughs> don't know that's a compliment. Hey, you know what? They need to be more inside baseball. Get with it. Get with it. Uh, hopefully <laughs> bringing... some it- listeners who are like, this girl sucks. <laughs> <laughs> She's the worst. Um, and bringing up baseball, we have to bring in our other host for today. She has a heart bigger than Kit Fisto's two hearts combined. It's Adriana. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> it's so early. That I was also cry. an incredible segue. <laughs> You, you set it up and I knock it out, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Uh, hi, guys. How are y'all doing? Great. I'm pretty good. Definitely excited. We were just saying that Adriana and I haven't recorded together in so long, even though it, like we still talk all the time. I don't know why we just don't record the conversation. Right. We should just have like our uh, our text message chain just auto post. To Twitter or something, just so everybody can see. Oh, could you imagine? <laughs> oh, that would not... Well, it would be good, and it would also be very, very bad. What about, <laughs> Adriana, what about you? How are things going with uh, with distance learning and, and everything for your kiddos? Well, my district did something kind of nice. Uh, they gave us... They wanted us to do, like, paper packets. So we did... We, did, we set up our paper packets for two weeks, and then... Um, they were going to give the uh, those two weeks the kids were working with paper packets. They were providing, like, training and all this stuff. So that was really nice. So technically, we don't officially start our distance learning until Monday. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of nervous. Uh, I have little ones, so <laughs> I don't know what to expect. I, I don't even know how many of my my class is really small to begin with. It's only 13 uh, kid kiddos. So I'm. I have no idea what to expect on Monday. <laughs> well, one thing I've found is just like you don't know what the problems are going to be until the problems happen. So you can't really. You can prepare the best you can, but you never know what's uh what's going to hit you. But it's been interesting. We'll say that's a interesting way to put. It. Actually, they just closed down Texas schools for the rest of the year, so we're officially not going back, which we kind of knew. So. More podcasting time, I guess. Uh, Lindsay, what about you? What's going on in your life and, and with everything that's happening right now? Well, you know, it's it's still pretty bad in here. Um, just being in Westchester, New York, it's where everything started, and it certainly hasn't slowed down yet. Um, so they made it, let's see, my city, it's now illegal to go into a store without a face mask. Um you don't really see anyone on the roads or anything like that, but 
It's it's been interesting. My brother lives a few buildings down from me, and we've kind of just been going out during the day and just looking around. And he wants to just stand in the middle of the street at different times and take pictures. So this way, we have the historic pictures of look at these normally really really busy city streets that are now totally dead, um, and be able to kind of just look back on that. So it's weird being in the mindset of. I'm living in what will be kind of studied at some point, and people are going to look back on this thinking, how did people get through it? But we're getting through it. We are uh, finding ways to be very uh, creative and active at home. Um, B, I know you saw I put a video on Facebook <laughs> just of, of a um, little indoor game that I started oh, yeah. playing. That was fun. Um just because I'm so lucky, you guys being teachers, I don't know how you do this, how you manage this, being responsible for not only yourselves, but for everyone else. Uh, my twin sister, though, is a gym teacher and still being tasked with online and distance learning. So she set up a virtual field day for her students, and I've been testing the games. So it's a lot of just weird different games that I've been playing with pillowcases and laundry and my hamper, different paper plates and different ways of doing indoor bowling. So trying to be creative, keeping the spirits up and, and just hoping that we are uh, going to see the finish finish line pretty soon. Yeah, that that makes me want to get out my uh, Jedi challenges. Uh, I guess it's augmented reality. It's not virtual reality, but I have that. And I think I'm gonna start start getting that out this week um, because, well, I mean, I, I've been pretty busy because I do a lot at my campus, so people are always emailing and asking me everything, um, which keeps me on my toes. But uh, it, it's been, honestly, it's been kind of weird because if you had, you know, asked me if uh, I would get tired of, of doing life this way in a couple of weeks, I would have been like, yeah, but now we're into like week four and I'm still like, this is cool. I like it. I like working from home. Uh, obviously, I wish the circumstances were diff- different, but um, kind of just when we're looking at this new normal we have, I've kind of like figured out my flow in it and uh, kind of how I like to do things, which happened a lot quicker than I anticipated. Um, and the the negative side of things hasn't quite caught up with me yet. So that I'm sure that's coming. But uh, we're here to stay positive, and uh, we're going to try to put out a lot of content for you guys to read and watch and everything like that. Uh, we do have, if you guys are interested in that, uh, we have our Facebook group, which we've kind of done a new format where every day we're going to have a post of uh, something to discuss or share. Uh, like Monday is memes, and then uh, Tuesday is a topic Wednesday is a what if question and so on through the week so that's uh, gonna be super fun and we're also in the process of all of us recording um, commentaries in different pairings uh, for all of the Star Wars films that will be up on our Patreon which I can finally say is going to be up in June so stay tuned for that and some more there but I know there's a burning question that everybody just wants to get to and I'm burying it so I'm just gonna go for it now Adriana, what are you Star Warsing right now? Oh, um, you know what? I I feel bad because 
I am okay. Sam Whitware was on Twitter and he was like basically somebody asked him and he responded that we want to. He uh, he thinks that it's better to watch the Siege of Mandalore arc as like one whole. So I have been avoiding Twitter <laughs> um, and I guess I'm Star Warsifying my Google Classroom. <laughs> um, uh, so like my schedules, everything that I can put a picture in, it, those are all like Baby Yoda themes. So that's yes. what I'm thing. <laughs> that's what I've done. So I feel that. Um, actually, you you mentioning Sam Witwer and him saying that, and then also watching um, the Ahsoka, or excuse me, the Siege of Mandalore episode yesterday. Uh, no spoilers. Ri- no, 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 no spoilers. <laughs> um, but I've decided I'm only going to watch each episode two times uh, until we get to the final four episodes. And then once we have all four, I'm going to watch it like a cinematic experience because we're actually, I've heard that we are getting the uh, fourth episode on May the 4th, which is going to be a fun day because we get the Mando uh, eight part behind the scenes series starting then too. I don't know if they're going to drop all of those at once or do it weekly, but basically they're, they're taking care of us on, on May the 4th. So, which is exciting. So Lindsay, what about you? What have you been into? What are you star warsing lately? I have to say, I feel like I've been Star Warsing a little bit of everything lately. Um, just because I do not have the self-control that Adriana, you do. <laughs> and I, I will say, no spoilers, but after just the first episode, I do really think you're making the right decision with how you're doing it. Ooh, um, okay. <laughs> so, so I wish I had your strength and your willpower, but I don't. So, I of course have been Star Warsing the Clone Wars. I've been going back and doing a rewatch of Rebels. Um, you know, Brendan, and I, I think I sent you this picture where I've been doing a lot of home workouts. Um, other than Star Wars, you know, kind of like physical fitness and boxing. That's something I'm really passionate about. So I've been setting up my home workouts where I'm doing them and following along with uh, one of my coaches on Zoom, but I'm muting myself. And in the background, I've been watching Rebels while doing my in-home workouts. Um, So that's been fun. And then, of course, just recording these commentaries, it has me going back to all three trilogies, looking at them from a really fun eye. And even... um, I've gotten some of my friends since they have the downtime to actually start reading some Star Wars books. So just answering a lot of their questions, hearing their reactions, hearing what excites them. So I really do feel like I have my hand in a little bit of everything for Star Wars right now. That's awesome. Yeah, this is such a good time to get into the books. I'm so glad I like loaded up on Star Wars books before all of this start to happen because I have like nine more, ten more sitting in my closet. Right now I'm reading... um, Cestus Deception, which is quite entertaining, uh, which is why I came up with the uh, Kit Fisto had two hearts thing from the beginning of the episode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's kind of been my Star Warsing, and then trying to do as much Clashing Saber stuff as I can in between when I'm supposed to be doing actual work. So, uh, But if you listen to our previous episode, uh, you know that we are starting to mix it up a little bit and add some more fun games into this beginning part of the episode. And so I have a game for us to play today. And this game is gonna give you three people. One is going to protect you, the others will try to kill you. So you've probably seen this (laughs) meme with like nine people or, you know. So shooting off of that idea. So. 
who I'm just gonna pick, let you guys pick who wants to go first. Oh, uh, I'll go first. All right, you shouldn't have done that. Oh. <laughs> that said, uh, we are talking about the Clone Wars episodes um, on this show. So, in honor of Clone Wars, your three people—one to protect you, two to try to kill you—are Obi Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka. Oh no! Yeah, I told you. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh. Oh my goodness. Okay, you know what? Because we've clearly seen that Ahsoka can handle herself without her light uh, saber, I'm going to pick Ahsoka to protect me. And, and I'm going to hope that Obi-Wan and Anakin lose their lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as we know from both of them, it's entirely possible. It's exactly. A- <laughs> that's my that's my reasoning. <laughs> it's very plausible. Very plausible. Um yeah, I mean, Anakin and Obi-Wan, you also can have, like, the hope that they just get confused with arguing with each other and they lose track of you, you know? <laughs> uh, so, and and we've seen Ahsoka <laughs> be able to sneak around. All right, Lindsay, your turn. And since we are heading towards the rise of the Sith and the Empire, your three people, one to protect you, two to try to kill you, are Maul, Dooku, and Darth Vader. Wow. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, man. I feel like not only do I need to pick the perfect answer, but I need to do it with the fantastic logic for which Adriana just did her. (laughs) (laughs) This is your life on the line. You can't just pick randomly. Okay. I actually think I might pick Dooku because he's really the only one that we've seen, if I'm not mistaken, who uses force lightning, and that's kind of really important. And he also is clever enough to maybe get me out of situations in other ways and find more creative solutions. So I'm gonna pick Dooku because I think I'd be able to hide the longest and be protected and outmaneuver other people. And then before they come too close, bam, force lightning. That's, I like the logic there. The problem you're gonna have is that Maul like never seems to die, so you're gonna <laughs> like know. you're gonna be like, oh man, thanks Dooku, everything's good. And then next thing you know, Maul's gonna be there, with yeah, tapping me on the shoulder. Yeah. What are you? All right. Um, so since we're dealing with kind of the seedy underworld in the arc we're gonna talk about today, this one is going to mix it up, and instead of it just being one person trying to kill you it will be the organization. So there will be one organization that is protecting you and the others that are trying to kill you. Okay? Oh my goodness. Okay. The stakes are high. Yeah, yeah. You ready, Adriana? Yes. You aren't ready. <laughs> no. Your three are no. <laughs> the Pikes, Crimson Dawn, and the Huts. Okay. This is actually not as challenging as I thought it would be. I'm going to go with Crimson Dawn. (laughs) See, (laughs) such confidence. I knew it coming from the last episode. I was like, "Mm." yeah. (laughs) Um, Crimson Dawn has a mall who we know doesn't want to die. And then also one of my faves, Kira. So, um, and the huts, no thanks. (laughs) Uh, The pikes, they, eh, eh, uh, 
Yeah, no, Crimson Dawn. <laughs> I think I think that's a good pick. We've kind of seen the Pikes are not really um, the the most intimidating of opponents. Definitely so, not. Yeah, um, and hey, Han escaped for like three years. Isn't that the difference between like a New Hope and an Empire Strikes Back? He avoided the huts. So yeah. you got you got a good time. All right, Lindsay. Same idea as the last one. One organization will protect you. The others will try to kill you. And since we are in the final season of Clone Wars, your three are the Republic, the Separatists, and the Mandalorians. (laughs) I will also approach this, I think, with the the level of confidence and certainty (laughs) that my girl Adriana did. I'm going to say the Mandos to protect me. This is the way. This is the way. Just because they, I think, have a much firmer ideology without having the political involvement, which would make protecting me a lot easier. And just weapons and jetpacks, come on. Yeah, it's a, it's a good combo. It's a good combo there. And see, here's the thing, though, is you've got Palpatine behind both the Republic and the Separatists. Mm. So is he masterful enough to get them to work together or are they both trying to just get you from separate angles is going to be is going to be your issue am i done for either way if palpatine wants me yeah pretty much and and we've seen yeah he usually gets what he wants but um all right so that was fun and hopefully you guys played along at home and you can share who you would have protect you on twitter at clashing sabers but it is time we are going to take a quick break and we are going to come back and talk about the Clone Wars Ahsoka Walkabout arc. Trace, where are you going? I'm just trying to get into this lane. That's a military lane. You can't go there. That's a restricted area. Oh, we're being hailed. Don't answer that. We have to answer that. No, we don't. Trace, just get us out of here. Don't do anything that makes us look suspicious. We already look suspicious. Uh, fly higher! Stop telling me what to do. Pull up. Pull up. Stop telling me what to do. Don't answer that. This is a silver angel. What can I do for you? Have you lost your mind? This is military airspace. Civilian transports are not authorized to be in this sector. I'll have your star pilot license for this. License? Do I need one of those? Uh, sorry. So, so sorry. Um, it won't happen again. Just teaching my youngest sister to fly. Oh, you're teaching me to fly? That's a laugh. Who is this? What's your license number? Just get in the transport lane and fly. Who is on board that transport? Oh, just some rookie pilots, apparently on their first maneuvers. I was just about to send a detachment to arrest them. Should I send a detachment, General? No, it's nothing. Okay, and we are back, and we are talking about Clone Wars Ahsoka Walkabout. And this is going to be an interesting discussion, uh, particularly because I feel uh, I'm, like, one of the only people 
that actually really likes uh, this arc, uh, myself and, and our friend Michelle from uh, Unknown Regions Pod. But I want to get your overall impressions of this uh, set of episodes. So we're dealing with Gone with the Trace, Deal or No Deal. Uh, the third episode is Dangerous Debt. And then the final episode is Together Again. Lindsay, what did you think overall uh, just at, about this arc as a whole? Yeah, yeah. So to be fair, I liked it. Um, I thought the characters were interesting. I thought the plot was pretty good. I absolutely love the development. And just when we look at it from the start to the end, seeing what it meant for Ahsoka, I just don't think it needed to be four episodes. That's fair. And that, I think, is going to be the point that I keep coming back to. There seems like... Not that it was so much filler episodes, but a lot of filler within the episodes where, you know, maybe 10 to 12 minutes of every episode we could have cut and still gotten the right idea. I have some thoughts that we can even get into about some other ways they could have handled it while still getting the point across without necessarily misusing characters or scrapping characters altogether, but... Overall, yeah, it was it was good. It was fine. It just wasn't wow. It wasn't I needed every single minute of all four of those episodes, you know? Yeah, I get that. Um, I definitely think there is. We'll, we'll get into it. I'm just save it. Save it. Adriana, what about you? What are your overall impressions of this arc? Um, Lindsay, are you reading my mind? <laughs> <laughs> Why do we always agree? <laughs> um. Uh, I, for the, yeah, for the most part, I genuinely enjoyed this arc. Um, I just really think that last episode was a little redundant. And if they had either, like, combined that episode with the one before it, I think it would have been a much uh, stronger arc. Because it just felt, like, it just felt repetitive. They were getting, they were escaping, they were getting captured, escaping, captured. And I'm like, okay, this this just needs to stop um but yeah other than other than that that last final episode i i feel like it was it was genuinely fun it was nice to meet these sisters um they were not necessarily my favorite but definitely new which was nice um yeah i i mean i'm pretty sure Lindsay said it all like i don't know <laughs> She read my mind. <laughs> or we're sharing the same... We're sharing a mind link right now, I think. I forget <laughs> what you put on Facebook earlier this week, but I, I was like, are we, like, sold doppelgangers? Is that a thing? Is that possible? <laughs> I remember that. We were... A digression. It was still Disney-related. It was that we were... I had posted about how The Lion King 2 was the best Disney sequel. <laughs> yes! So good. So good. I was like, I didn't even know anyone else saw this movie, let alone loved it as much as I did. Of course, Adriana did. Okay. First of all, both of you are wrong because oh. the greatest sequels are the yeah. Aladdin sequels. That trilogy was my childhood. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Those were good. The third one was really good. But the they do not have any musicals uh, numbers that slap as hard as... Uh, <laughs> deception, disgrace, disgrace. evil, <laughs> as plain evil as, as the plain scar in his face. Deception, 
Patreon episode. <laughs> right? Uh, Brandon, that, what did you think of Clone Wars, though? <laughs> um, honestly, I'm, I'm... I like just about everything about these episodes, um, except for what you guys mentioned. It probably could have been a little bit shorter, um, just particularly with the, the transition from three into four, uh, from uh, Dangerous Debt into Together Again, which we'll get into a little more as we get to those episodes but i want to kind of just go episode by episode and and look at what happens and what we get and start with gone with a trace which i had to start it off i know there were a lot of fans that didn't like the the martez sisters uh but i really enjoyed them and i thought their arc was similar to to finn's arc in the last jedi where there's there's a devil on one side of his shoulder with with dj and the angel on the other with rose and it it's not so much that Ahsoka has to choose one or the other, but rather that she has to realize that those two exist. Um, and, and she's outside of the dogma of the Jedi and seeing the real cost of things, which I I really appreciate. Um, and in, this is an idea we'll get more into uh, with uh, when we get to Siege of Mandalore stuff, but just the idea of like who gets to define what is right. Uh, is a is an interesting dynamic that I think they're setting up that she has to face. So, uh, Adriana, you you kind of mentioned the Martez sisters that they were fine; they weren't really your favorite. Uh, but what do you think about them in relationship with with how they develop Ahsoka's character? Um. Okay. So, I I mean, um, honestly, I think it goes back down to like how much time we got to spend with them um and i really did like them at first i really liked um trace a lot um and i thought she was a really good uh friend to ahsoka and you know then you introduce rafa which is a nice like a contrast um but i i think um like i said my my downfall with them was um you have especially Rafa, you have her three episodes, like just really, really adamant about not liking Ahsoka and agreeing with Ahsoka and doubting her and trying to ditch her. And then at the last minute, um, you know, when they do the reveal that Ahsoka used to be a Jedi, um, it's, she's not, she doesn't have the reaction I would have thought. Um, and she's very much, it, it just felt like really rushed that she was okay with, Ahsoka and so I know when we um you had mentioned it how it was nice to to have that and then kind of when you talk about the Ahsoka novel how she um is much quicker to be like hey I'm a Jedi um and I just don't I just don't think it was enough to it just was it felt rushed to me so it didn't it didn't make it didn't have the impact that I thought it would like I've I yeah. felt like it should have been stronger to warrant that kind of reaction in the Ahsoka book 
Does oh, that I, make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. I think just looking at uh, like this arc and what we were kind of talking about with how we could have shortened it up a little bit or something, um, I feel like it would have been really compelling if they left off uh, episode three with them finding out that Ahsoka was a Jedi and before she gets to explain everything that the episode cuts off and we had to sit a week with that I think that anticipation would have really uh, been extremely satisfying uh, because then you not only are like oh man this is bad for Ahsoka but it's like oh my god I have to live with that for seven days right and it would have been it would have been a a good way to take advantage of the weekly format that they're doing. Uh, so, Lindsay, what about you? What do you think of the Martez sisters and kind of how they help develop Ahsoka's character through this arc or through this episode, I guess? I personally actually really like them more than I thought that I would. I don't know why I'm always so apprehensive to a lot of the new characters in these animated series. I think because after a while it starts to feel a little recycled. You know, how long can we have this Imperial who has a change of heart? How many times can we see that? Or how many times can we see a Jedi struggling with, is this war right? Am I doing the right thing for the people or is this for the order? But these two characters felt really fresh because even though they they stood firm in what they believed and what they felt they had to do, they were still pretty flexible and still pretty open to maybe bending their moral code in certain ways. So I really like that flexibility, like mixing it up a bit. And to me, the dynamic just worked really well. I don't think it would have worked if you had put, you know, Trace and Rafa with someone like Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is so firm in his belief and so black and white, this is the way and this isn't. But having them with Ahsoka, who is really, I think, charismatic, and you can put her on screen with a lot of different characters and different types of people, but she's also so vulnerable right now, where she could have very easily have been swayed to just, you know, do this drug deal and it'll be fine. Oh, oh no, no, no. Trust me. This is the way of the people. You, This is your first time down here. Trust us. This is normal. This, this isn't bad. But for her to kind of have to question what to do and for her to have to now question how do I sway these people into making the right decisions without just laying it all out there. Hey, trust me, I'm a Jedi. I know what the right thing to do is. So to me, the characters worked, but more importantly, the pairing with Ahsoka worked. Yeah, because I think with Trace, you kind of get the uh, kind of naivete that we saw in Ahsoka at the beginning of the Clone Wars, where she just believes in everything and believes she can do it, blah, 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 type thing. The rah-rah, like, stuff that... uh, People kind of complained about with her in in the uh, be, in the Clone Wars movie in the beginning of the, of this story of hers, right? Uh, and then you've got Rafa, who is kind of who she will become if she fully lets go of her morals, and kind of like where's the balance in between there, where like 
kind of like Qui-Gon's mention in in Master and Apprentice of like, if the code tells us to do one thing and the people's needs tell us to do another, which do we do? Uh, I think she's kind of facing that that dynamic here, which is really interesting. Um, And I I think that like starts right from the beginning with that opening scene of her uh, falling off the bike. I think it's very metaphorical about how she's not in control of things and doesn't know how to get where she thought she was going but somehow she ends up where she needs to be. Like, I, I think that's a, a microcosm of her whole arc because the same thing could be said about her leaving the Order and becoming Fulcrum. Um, she doesn't know when she walks away from the Jedi Order what she's going to become, but she ends up being Fulcrum, which, you know, brings the Rebellion together. So I found I found that very interesting. I think the, the first real scene... Uh, it just works so well, that whole bike falling scene. I think it works just really, really well as like a reconnection with Ahsoka. You know, we see her flying and then next thing you know, she's like falling into this dark pit of 1313. Uh, was, I really I really enjoyed that. Uh, Adriana, what did you think about kind of how they decided to open this episode? I, was, I thought it was nice. Um I know we had talked about it in our in our text chat about how it was really nice to see another part of um they're on Coruscant, right? <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. Um and uh it because uh like for me when I was growing up watching um the prequel trilogies, you just see Coruscant and it's just all these like really nice tall buildings and you don't really see anything else, um except for when they, they're looking for uh Pad Padme's would be assassin, so it, it's just it's nice to see like the different layers of of the planet, and then also uh, nice to see just different layers of of people there. Um, so, you know, you have um, Trace who's just trying to trying to get by, trying to build a, up her um, fix up her ship. Um, she just wants to be a pilot, and so I think I thought that was really nice, um, and uh, it was. It's always nice when they have really uh, positive uh, friendships between women. <laughs> yeah, especially because they're not—they're not necessarily—they're not necessarily existent in the rest of Star Wars. <laughs> well, and I mean, Rafa, even though she doesn't trust Ahsoka for the majority of the arc, I don't feel like it's like a a hate kind of thing or for lack of a better term, like catfighting. Like, I, I feel like she understands where Ahsoka's coming from, but she's frustrated that Ahsoka doesn't understand where she's coming from. And them kind of like, how do we meet in the middle there? Because, uh... Well, the tension is, is I think, real between them. Because to Adriana's point, it's not only nice having that nice female friendship between Ahsoka and Trace, but then when we have Rafa come in, it's nice having the the tension i i can't think of a different word for it um but it's nice having that back and forth between two women where it's not just you know jealousy it's not you know they're interested in the same person yeah it's it's something real that i think you would typically see between two men on screen and now it just so happens to be two women it has nothing to do 
with their gender, why they're not getting along. It has everything to do with the situation they're in and the backgrounds that they come from, which just feels so real. Yeah, it really does. Like it, it's a situation that you can easily put yourself into or relate to, right? Like it's a situation that everybody's had to deal with. You, you get a project at work and you have to, you know, deal with this person who has a completely different vision and philosophy than you. You know, how do you, how do you meet in the middle there? Um, and that kind of like that tension really starts with those binary load lifters, which I want to kind of, uh, get into a little bit because, uh, we first saw those in the, uh, Ahsoka forces of destiny when she was going to get her, I don't know, is it called a Padawan braid or a Padawan clip on? I don't know what it counts as for somebody with, uh, with head tails. <laughs> I guess, I guess we'll still say braid. Okay. So we'll go with Padawan braid and she, uh, she, defeats the the binary load lifter to help protect uh i believe it's a a little girl and her mother um and and she puts that in front of going to uh get the braid right she she sees people in need and that's what um she does something about that which is kind of what we're getting to here in this arc so i like how they kind of made that connection about um, how her past is going to come into play into what's happening now, uh, which I think in in reference to Rise of Skywalker is a, an interesting idea to have uh, because I think that's something that they kind of try to deal with in um, in that story with with background for Ray and Poe in particular. Um, and I think they just did it a lot nicer job of it here because it wasn't so in your face. Uh, so. Lindsay, I know you're like a you you love Rise of Skywalker, and um, so just kind of like how how they presented it, how they presented the 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 past influencing in that in that movie versus how they did in kind of the beginning of this story. How did you feel um, the execution compares? Well, I mean, it's certainly not in a bad way. You know, I don't want to say this and it to come off as as a diss. But it's much more on the nose in Rise of Skywalker. And the reason why I, I, I typically use that phrase as a negative, but it has to be. You know, it is the main point of, or at least a main point of Rise of Skywalker. Whereas this is really more of a character development study. Um you know, it's funny, I, th- I think it really might surprise a lot of people when you look at the shows that I typically watch. You know, obviously I love Star Wars, but I also love Game of Thrones and Westworld and Watchmen, and I've always been into those kind of shows. But aside from that, I actually really love things like Mad Men. Um, I love anything Aaron Sorkin writes, and it's because those can be really deep, deep character studies where you don't necessarily need for someone to say overtly, this right here relates to something five seasons later. You can really slowly see the progression. So I like how Clone Wars played that off where it didn't have to be in your face. And if you didn't see that episode of Forces of Destiny or if you didn't remember something from season one of Clone Wars, it doesn't hold you back from enjoying the story, but it adds so much more. So you can look at not only this episode, even this entire arc and say, yeah, this was good. Ahsoka 
really grew a lot here. And you can look at these episodes in that microscope, or you can take a step back and look at it as this entire timeline and see how those dots connect. So I think that each one kind of, you know, the difference between Clone Wars and Rise of Skywalker, each one served the purpose that it had to do. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Like it, the the themes that they're they're telling are similar, but also different because, of course, you know, you're particularly because you're in a different time period here with the the Clone Wars and that whole idea of like what's right and what's wrong in, in terms of a war. Whereas I think in the sequel trilogy, uh, it's not so much like what's the right thing to fight for, um, but who's the right person to fight for it. Uh, which is a an important distinction. But let's go ahead and move on to well. Uh, oh, also, well, actually, before no, before we move on, you know, I think one big difference too is in the sequel trilogy, Rise of Skywalker, especially, a main point is passing on the torch so that other people can learn from what you have. Where in Clone Wars, it is one character. You know, it's just Ahsoka learning from her past mistakes. It's not her saying to someone else, here's all the things that I've learned, take this and be better. It's her saying, here's what I've been through, Here who, here is who I am at my core. Here are the things that I cannot change about myself, but here's the lessons that I've learned around that. Lindsay, can I ask you a question? Always. Um, I don't have a sister, so would you say that the sister's dynamic is accurate or... Yes, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's I think, one of the reasons why I like these characters so much. Um, me especially, I actually really relate to Rafa. Um, you know, I try not to get, like, too crazy personal on this show, but just because this is something that I dealt with literally two nights ago... I was having an argument with my older sister and she was just like, why do you always have to be so mean about it? And I kept saying to her, I was like, because I love you. I don't go and I don't talk bad about you behind your back. Like when I think you're making the wrong decision about something, I'm going to tell you that because I don't want you to make the wrong decision. And I told her straight up, I go, and honestly, why don't you just call my twin sister, you know, because she'll tell you the same thing. She'll tell you, I mean to her too, but I mean to her because I love her. So for me, it's like, I, I very much understand that sister dynamic and it was pretty freaking accurate in my opinion. Okay. I just wanted to know because I was like, Hmm, I don't have any sisters. I'm wondering how, how how this how this if it's like accurate just because i know like sometimes when i watch things and they, there's like a brother and sister dynamic i'm like yep that's exactly me i'm a brother <laughs> so <laughs> it goes no, back to that pretty spot on it goes back to that uh what we were just talking about a little bit ago about how this feels ve- very realistic even though it's these characters that are in a situation we will never be in uh you know but we can let's understand hope. yeah let's hope um <laughs> we can understand where they're coming from and that kind of that that tension really starts to to build up in the next episode in deal or no deal which is where uh, rafa gets them a deal to run spice um but things are are not like you would expect and 
actually, I want to I want to start with that because Kessel really like made me sit up when it uh, when that happened because we come in and as viewers having seen Solo and heard about Kessel for years and years and years are like, oh, man, this, they're going to the worst place you could possibly imagine. And then they get there and everything is beautiful. And you're like, wait, what is going on here? This is not the Kessel that we just saw in, you know, or that we see a few years later in Solo. But you you get there uh, and there's that transition. Actually, you know, before we get into that, uh, let's let's just talk about like, what was your reaction to seeing Kessel as like a green planet of of nature and alive uh, compared to what we had in Solo, Adriana? What was kind of like your first reaction to that? I was I was floored. Like I was completely shocked. I was like, this is that's not what where I legitimately thought I had heard wrong. And me that, too. Yeah, I was just like, this is wait, this is not what it looks like. But then you know, circling back. Um, it's always something I've always wondered about because, you know, when you see shots of these planets, it's like one specific location on the planet and you never really get to see um, the other the the other parts of it. Um, so so it bit like circling back. OK, yeah, this makes sense because there are certainly parts of the like the United States that are like in my state that are like one even street to street like my my neighborhood is like really nice and quiet and then you go two streets down and you're like oh boy what happened here yeah Uh, (laughs) so it was really nice to see that um and it was i was like okay so now i know that not all of kessel is like a desolate wasteland um so and it was just it was interesting and nice to see that um you know, um, you have the Pikes controlling um, Castle, right? And then, but they're like living in the high life, you know. And then you have all the slaves and stuff on the other end of the spectrum. Show, so it was really, it really put things into perspective. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, with what you were saying about how like there, there can kind of be literally like a line um there really is in the episode there's like a line where the trees stop and the dirt you know starts which i i related to kind of similarly to you adriana because when i was in dallas doing an internship we were staying at uh, smu which to call it a uh, rich area would be an understatement um and then we would we went and worked in um, underserved areas, and there's like you would be in this nice area, nice area, nice area, and like it cuts off, and the next thing you know, you are in you're in the ghetto, uh, you're in you know rundown buildings, and, and where you would think it would be much more of a segue, it just like there's just a line that cuts it off, right? And it would have been really easy for the the people on the rich side of things to just ignore everything and to some extent they did and i think that we see rafa dealing with this here where she can kind of lie to herself about the cost of things oh i don't know what they're going to do use the spice for oh i don't know why these are slaves um you know she ignores the suffering but it doesn't mean the suffering is not there and that that idea that there's always a cost for your actions is something uh, i think clone wars gets into really well 
but also we kind of get with with Rafa, uh, particularly in this episode. So Lindsay, with uh, kind of Rafa and how we kind of see her, especially in this episode, she puts on a tough exterior, but I think we start to see some softer side of her uh, where maybe we don't necessarily believe where the the facade is her her ego and stuff and so did you kind of get that idea uh watching this episode yeah i was actually really intrigued by her and thought this is a character i would like to learn a little bit more about because it's really hard to tell is she just naive or is she pushing that part of her aside because she knows this can't be my priority. My priority has to be me and my sister. Um, I will also say I feel so much better hearing your reactions to the fact that it was Kessel because I was actually confused for a little bit. I was like, wait, am I misinterpreting something? Was yeah, like you feel like you're forgetting something or yeah. you didn't read something. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm happy that uh, I wasn't the only one who seemed a little confused by it. But just in terms of of Rafa dealing with it, that really was a moment that I would have liked to spend a little bit more time on. I would have preferred maybe even an episode dealing with just the Martez sisters without Ahsoka and finding out not even so much more about their dynamic, but about their differences and maybe seeing some of the things that Rafa's done in the past to say, okay, this is who we're dealing with, but here's where her boundaries are. Here's where she draws the line. Because it would have been much more impactful to see her go to Kessel and know this is pushing her boundaries. This is her limit. Or to go to Kessel and say, anything's up for up for grabs because this character genuinely doesn't care. This character could care less about these slaves. Anything could happen because that makes her a wild card, but we're just not sure about her. And instead we get so much time in later episodes where they're just in prison and they escape and then they go back to prison. And it's, it's all this wasted time that I think could have been spent on so many other areas or in so many different ways. Um, I hope that maybe in the future we can learn more about Rafa specifically. I don't necessarily think we will, but I would have preferred that over a lot of what we've gotten in the future. I think part of the idea is for us to not really know if uh, where Rafa stands with things because like Ahsoka is our... our viewpoint character or point of view character Mm. and so we know after six seasons plus rebels plus the novel like ahsoka is going to end up doing the right thing uh and and we know we we can trust her but her mistrust of rafa uh sets us off a little bit um yeah i I think it would be really nice wouldn't it have been interesting though to know rafa better And to be able to say to ourselves, this situation is under control because I trust Rafa is going to do this thing that I've seen her do in the past. But because Ahsoka is there, it actually escalates things. And maybe Ahsoka being there makes things worse 
because Rafa, instead of doing what she knows is right, wants to overcompensate and take some of this power back from Ahsoka. No, I think I think not knowing if she is in control or she's not in control and not at least for the first viewing. I feel like now now that we have it and we know where she ends up, we could go back and and do I, I think it would be really cool to have some junior novels covering like the Martez sisters just trying to survive in the underbelly of Coruscant and stuff. Um and maybe there you get that she's a little more in control of things, but I think for the the first go round, it really is more impactful for us to be questioning, you know, not only Rafa, but what her reaction is going to be when she finds out about Ahsoka, her lack of trust. And just there's a sense of you, you, you dislike her, but you also like her, you know, because she's, She's with Ahsoka, she's got this wonderful sister Trace, but she just is kind of, she's mean and distrustful and not what we look for in a character and that shell breaking down as it breaks down because of Ahsoka opening her up, you know, our eyes kind of open to her a little bit more. Adriana, what what do you kind of think on that? Um, so I think to me, it was, it's kind of not necessarily like her limits to what she will and will not do like that's very unclear but i think you do get a sense of what choice she what choices she's going to make because she's had to take care of her sister it's just been her and her sister for a long time they live um obviously in not the best area um on coruscant so they're very they I feel it's very easy to read what kind of choice um, Rafa might choose to make. Um, and in a sense, I, I kind of agree with Lindsay. Like, the whole reason that they were in the situation to begin with, yes, was Rafa Rafa's idea. But would Trace have really gotten rid of the spice or dumped the spice if Ahsoka hadn't been there to be like... Do you know what's going to happen? Do you know who you're dealing with? Um, And so in a sense, like, Ahsoka really, really, she caused, not caused it. She escalated a lot. She escalated it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you have a lot of um, Ahsoka, like, coming in between these sisters when, you know, maybe before, if Ahsoka hadn't been there, Trace would just been just gone along with it, and and I don't know if it's because it's a kid show, um, but you know the Pikes were not presented in a way that it if they had gotten the the spice like like maybe they would have gotten away with it, you know what I mean? And they would have left, and then you know um, Trace uh, Trace could have been like, I don't want to do that again, and maybe Rafa could have you know been like, okay, we won't have to. Um, yeah. But, and I mean, it's, of- it's also so interesting to me because we know Ahsoka and we know that Ahsoka being there is more helpful than it is hurtful in the long run. But to be Rafa and to already only associate in kind of this seedy underworld where you truly can't trust anyone, I personally don't think she's in the wrong to mistrust Ahsoka. 
You know, someone just shows up out of nowhere one day. Yep. And these issues start to follow, and you don't understand who they are, where they come from, what their motives are. If you're Rafa, she technically made the right decision for her and her sister. I wouldn't trust someone either if they just came out of nowhere and started to, in my opinion, manipulate my sister or try to get into my family life with so much intimacy, so much detail, and not give up anything about themselves in return. I would be incredibly mistrustful of that person to the point where I could see myself starting to make stupid decisions out of what I find is protection. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, you got to, you know, kind of look out for, for your own kind of thing. Um, I, Rafa is, I mean, as as interesting as Ahsoka is, you know, not having a lot of background on Rafa. Um, and she's obviously, like, she's been through some stuff. So I would really like to see, you know, some of that stuff kind of, because it traces the younger one. And I feel like she... You know, with their parents dying when she was younger, hadn't seen as much of the galaxy. I feel like she is probably a, a little bit of a better reflection of what their parents were like. Um, whereas Rafa kind of develops this hard shell because she has to, kind of like you were talking about. You know, like she's got to do what they have to do to survive. And you know, maybe it. And and that's the that's the the real struggle. I would I would definitely like to to see some more of these characters. I th- I find Rafa really compelling even though she is kind of like a uh you know smuggler with a heart of gold han solo archetype kind of thing i think how they kind of ended um this part of the story which we'll get into with episode four was really good uh before we jump in (laughs) wait have you guys ever watched the show shameless i have seen it on while brooke is watching it but okay i've seen episodes here and there Okay, okay. So you know the premise. I mean, just to recap for everyone who might not have seen it, though, the premise is this, I guess, just kind of grimy-ish family. There's like six or seven kids in the family. The mom's not in the picture. The dad's never really around. It's not quite the Martez sisters where it's, um, you know, their parents have died and there's no other option. But there is the oldest sister who raises the other kids. And in order to do that, in order to support the family, she needs to start making some shady decisions. And she doesn't do it because she's a bad person. She does it because she doesn't necessarily know these are bad decisions, but her primary goal is just to take care of her siblings. And it's so altruistic and it's so true because it's not even just like, oh, I'm doing this to get by. She does these things so that she could maybe send one of her brothers to college and she can help her other brother, you know, that she works to help the other brother join the army. There's there's all these really true motives because she so loves her brothers and her sister. And that's how I relate Rafa and why I think I'm so interested in Rafa is she's making these decisions I really think out of love and out of trying to do what's best for her sister and you can tell it's successful because of the stark contrast between the two if you think about 
what a good person Trace is, you know, Brandon, to your point, yeah, it could be that's who their parents were and she took after them. But more likely, it is because of all of the things that Rafa shielded her from. And yeah. she was the umbrella. And because of that, she absorbed it. So I'm, I'm really, I really would have liked a lot more of information there just to see exactly how that played out. They or like if they had done some sort of um, had Rafa and Trace sh- share a scene before introducing Ahsoka into yeah. the dynamic. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and I, I mean, Lindsay, I think I was talking with you about this when we were doing our Return of the Jedi commentary. But it's kind of that um, the intention versus the action thing that we get with Anakin, like going to save his mother, trying to save Padme, like those things are good things to do, but the actions that he takes to do them are what cause the problems, right? And it's the reverse with Luke. And I, I think you you kind of get that similarity uh, here with Rafa, but without all the galactic implications, you know? Um, and it's, it's interesting knowing that we could assume that things are not great uh, in the, the underbelly of Coruscant, but I think we really get more of that with Rafa, where she had to harden herself, um, kind of like we were talking about. She had to shield Trace from something. But just before we go on to uh, to Dangerous Debt, I want to just jump back to the beginning part of the episode with the Anakin-Ahsoka moment. Uh, and just because I want this on record in case it happens so I can pretend <laughs> that I'm smarter than I am. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about how it parallels Empire um, and Vader sensing Luke, which it really does. But I also think there is a parallel with Ahsoka sensing Vader in Rebels. And so I'm pretty sure that this is Filoni, because he is want to do these things, setting us up for Ahsoka sensing Anakin's death. And I am not emotionally prepared for it. What do you guys think? Well, now you just hurt my feelings. See? <laughs> That's all I'm going to be thinking about. I, I couldn't suffer alone. I had to bring you guys into it. I'm trying to think of a way to play devil's advocate or say, like, no, that's not the case, but I can't do it. You really might be onto something. It's like he's like, hey, just so you guys know. Yeah, they can they can sense each other. Oh, oh. And then he he imitates Empire to make you go. Yeah, it's not going to end that way. It's not going to end well. Dave Filoni. All right. So let's let's get into Dangerous Debt, which we. I think might be the most exciting um, episode in terms of like the action um, that's that's happening, but there's only the action at certain times, and it's really exciting. And that's one thing about Clone Wars this this new season of Clone Wars. I think in terms of like hand to hand combat and action, uh, the execution has has been really good. But to to make another connection to Empire we see Rafa getting tortured uh, the same way that we see, uh, well, we don't see, we hear Han getting tortured, um, and she's having to deal with these lies that she's told, and this is kind of what we were talking about before, where she can't tell the Pikes what she needs to know, because of that she has to lie, and the issue is, like, she has to lie to protect Trace, which is a and Ahsoka in this case, which is good for her, uh, good for them, but, you know, where's the morality um, of that? And 
she's again she's trying to look out for traits and that's kind of her mo is okay maybe i do this thing that is is not air quotes right but i do it because i have to do it to protect my sister um so that's a nice kind of connection there but i think in this episode we get a little bit more of trace having to deal with her naivete and and choosing between what she feels with is right with Ahsoka versus what she believes in, which is Rafa. So did you guys feel like that kind of tension was set up well in this episode and executed well for Trace? Or were you guys kind of wanting a little bit more of Trace having to deal with this new world? I would say I think this whole episode was set up well, but the execution wasn't there. I think of the four, this one kind of has the the lowest rewatchability factor for me because even though there's always something happening here, at the end of the episode, none of it seems to matter. You know, they end up in the exact same place that they started And I get you can't say that necessarily emotionally or as a character, but it's still really hard to watch when it feels like nothing paid off. You know, why go through everything that they did if none of it actually mattered? You know, isn't there some other way that we could have that character development while feeling rewarded as viewers? It was not... It was not a bad episode, but I think there was just a lot of um, missteps taken. Uh, like Lindsay said, it's it was in the execution. Um, like for me, the pikes were not as terrifying as I thought they should have been. I mean, mm. I know it's a kid's show primarily. Um, but the pikes have kind of become like the, uh, the uh, fall guy syndicate, you know, when you need yeah. like somebody to just... Be there to be, you know, the bad guy. Uh, that's kind of what we got in Solo. Yeah, and then, um, I don't know, like, I, we know that Rafa gets, you know, she gets taken away and, you know, they torture her. Um, I just didn't like that there was, um, not necessarily, like, that they have to show any PTSD, per se, but... I just feel like some she, kind of consequence. Yeah, it was it, it yeah. just didn't feel like scary enough, I guess. Um or Well, and it, yeah. <laughs> there's you know, we do kind of end up in the same place um and you get a little bit more of Ahsoka and Rafa kind of like one-on-one um action with in terms of like what it, they're both kind of doing it for a trace uh, in, in a sense. They're just coming from it, coming at it from different um, perspectives. And I think there's the scene where they are going to, uh, to Rafa's ship, or not Rafa's ship, Trace's ship, and you kind of get Ahsoka and Rafa arguing um, about what's the best thing to do, which I think is, it kind of reminds Ahsoka a little bit of herself and Anakin. Uh, so that I, I found that really interesting. Um, yeah, it's just, 
there were the the themes and the character development that were in this episode were also in the last episode you know and i think yeah. this this kind of is a place where we can look at you know something that drew uh brought up with the the bad batch arc of you know why are we stuck in these 22 minute formats when you're on a streaming service and you can have as much time as you want so yeah. i think if if maybe we made the last episode like 32 minutes and then have a different uh, feel episode in in place of this third one, or only have a three episode arc. It would have been interesting. I mean, cor- correct me if I'm wrong. Too though, this is the episode where we found out how their parents were killed, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, which is yeah. super important. I yeah. I thought that was interesting. But to me, it's like, I wish that was rewarded with Ahsoka giving up something a little bit more of herself. This episode seems very one-sided. Yeah, and I mean, again, taking advantage of that weekly format of, like, leave them finding out that she's a Jedi in the air instead of putting it in the middle of the fourth episode and you have like two and a half minutes to deal with it. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um, I think, I think that would have worked a lot better. Um, so they're trying to build these stakes that ultimately don't, um, don't feel they that don't get as high. Yeah. They yeah. don't get as high as they, as I feel like they should have, because I feel like it really was a, a big moment. Um, when she finds out that, you know, the, this whole story about the Jedi and why they don't like Jedi. Um, and you know, she's also at this point, um, like you said earlier, vulnerable and she's still trying to figure out everything because she's not, she's not a Jedi anymore. And so it was, um, it would have been nice to see them play that up a little bit more and and maybe see s- something more um, visceral. Yeah. Like a more visceral reaction from her. Mm. Well, and I mean, they, they don't identify the Jedi specifically, but it's obviously either Luminara or Barriss. And I think like either way that it is or whichever one that it is, has a lot of meaning behind it. Because if it's Luminara, like, we know she basically left the Padawans for dead early in the uh, in the series, and I think she kind of showed, for Ahsoka, that would just be more reinforcement that, like, the Jedi are lost. And so that increases the conflict within her of, like, how do I be a Jedi in terms of, like, living these morals that I believe in, but also not become the Jedi? If it's Barris, then you have, you know, Barris who hurt these sisters and who also hurt Ahsoka. And so they have that kind of connection there. But she can't really open up about that because it would make things a whole lot messier. I really that's one thing I really wish they had gotten more into is like, again, going back to like not just putting her admitting she's a Jedi in the fourth episode and depending on us to realize like this struggle is going on within her, but to actually like get more time spent in that tension, I think would have worked, would have worked really well. We also get the Mandos in this episode for the first time, which is really intriguing because especially with Bo-Katan, because the last time we saw Ahsoka and Bo-Katan together, Ahsoka was cutting off the heads of some of the Death Watch people. So, and fighting, uh, <laughs> fighting Bo-Katan. So, I think if we're talking about stakes, if we're talking about tension, I think seeing them now um, come in, and we'll get more into this uh, 
later on with uh, Siege of Mandalore. Um, but I think just having them here and having particularly Bo-Katan um, looking at Ahsoka and, and trying to figure out how to get Ahsoka to come help them shows the direness of the situation of what's happening on Mandalore. So when we go into Siege of Mandalore, we not only have the stakes of like, we've been waiting for this for years. We, you know, have Maul versus Ahsoka versus, you know, we have Mandos everywhere, but you also have like, Bo-Katan, who is this great warrior um, who we've seen do some amazing things, is going to need to ask for help. Um, that's like the big overall idea, I think. Um, but just like in terms of, of seeing them for the first time, Adriana, like what was your what, what were your thoughts on their appearance in this episode? Uh I squeed a little bit. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> um, that was really nice to see. Um, and uh, I thought it was really, like, nice how they were all, like, shrouded in, like, their little robes. The, that, that was hiding. pretty cool. Um, oh, did we lose Adriana? I think we did. But I will say, while we're getting her back, though... For me, at least, this was my favorite and my least favorite part of the episode because it was so exciting. I loved it so much. I just wish that maybe we could have sacrificed some time in this arc to dive into what's going on on Mandalore and see it firsthand. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't maybe I see Bo-Katan like coming to yeah. terms with that fact. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, I don't think this arc needed to be a full four episodes. Like I said, I felt like there was a lot of time wasted, especially in Dangerous Debt. One thing that I would have, I think, preferred is maybe two or three episodes in this arc, and then a little bit of time on Mandalore, so we can actually see this is what Maul is doing. This is why it's bad. This is why most of the Mandalorians aren't actually on board with it. And they want out. They don't want him ruling. Um, it would have, in my opinion, and, and I can't say this for certainty, obviously, there's only been one episode of the Siege of Mandalore out so far. I think it would have made that even more high stakes. Yeah, that would have been that would have been interesting, um, especially you know in this third episode to to spend time with Bo-Katan coming to terms with that. Uh, I think would have been really interesting. But we get, I think, in terms of like just overall execution and stakes and everything that we've been saying, that was a little little underwhelming in terms of uh, the first three episodes. I feel like we really get that in. Um, this episode and and yeah yeah there's a bit more of a payoff well and adriana mentioned earlier like what we were talking about about the the sisters here versus the sisters in the novel and ahsoka's having to figure out how much to trust them with her past and we see here that she doesn't trust them with her secrets and every time she doesn't trust them it makes the situation worse so i think when we get back to the the novel and she doesn't want to share her past for obvious reasons, but she realizes that she has to trust these sisters because not trusting them is going to make things worse than what 
it would seem that telling her people that she was a Jedi would be the worst idea for her, you know, um, because there are people out there hunting. But here versus the novel, we see that it's a, it's a factor of trust um, much more than it is the secrets. Yeah. Adrian, I do want to know, though, would you agree that you would have spent a little bit less time in this arc if it meant that you could see what's happening on Mandalore firsthand? That's a really interesting question because while I genuinely like this arc, um, there I feel like there were some missteps and if they're given us more time with the Marta sisters before introducing Ahsoka, um, then I would have been content staying in this arc. Like, I don't necessarily need to see uh, the Mandalorians quite yet um, because it is nice to see where Ahsoka is um, at this point before everything goes down with the, the Siege of Mandalore. Yeah, and I think this episode, uh, together again, the fourth episode, is... It still has a little bit of that, like, okay, haven't we already seen this part of things? But I think it's when you get to, I mean, it really is with any story, when you get to the ending, um, that's the most important. Um, And there was one line that really stood out to me that Rafa said uh, about, you know, Ahsoka being a Jedi. She says, um, you act like a Jedi, or at least what I want them to be. And I just think this line is so great because Ahsoka does become what the Jedi should have been. Uh, her walking away from the Order is what Anakin should have done. Um, so I kind of like that idea of even though she's not a Jedi, uh, it's okay for her to do Jedi-like things. Um, you know, it's the the Order that's broken, not the morality of things. Um I think it was actually really um, telling about Rafa, too, that she's there and she's able to say, look, it's not like, you know, I'm completely against the Jedi and it's not like I think they're all evil because I still have, you know, the main thing that Star Wars is about, that little bit of hope that maybe the Jedi would be like this or they could be or they have been this way. So, yeah, this kind of like idea of getting to see the Jedi in a better shape than we see them in the prequels where they're not so um, attached to the code and the rules and everything but more in touch with the force and and what a Jedi should be um, which you know we get with like Luke Skywalker and stuff I, I hope we see more reflections of that and I think here you know we get that with Ahsoka her learning that idea that like it's the the system that's broken not necessarily um the idea of being a jedi right like so so you know my perspective being a teacher you know the education system i think has as a great many 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 flaws <laughs> um i think that's an understatement but also you know education is the most proven way for people to get out of poverty you know like so the what we are trying to achieve through teaching, what we are trying to achieve through being Jedi is right, but how we execute on those things are what kind of make things a little shady. I mean, that line and really the entirety of the Ahsoka novel, though, 
it really clears up the difference that we see from Clone Wars to Rebels in Ahsoka. Because before that specific line, before the Ahsoka novel, it was very hard to wrap my head around why Ahsoka, who left the Order and saw the flaws of the Jedi, was still so quick to pick it back up and help Kanan and even take part in Ezra's training. But hearing that and hearing like, oh, okay, so it's not that the entire thing is broken. It was just this one part of it. And I can still take little facets of it and still go on to help people. Well, and that's like the the main thing, right, is her learning that it's about helping people, not about helping the Republic, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or protecting the Republic, Um no spoilers, but we get a little little bit of that in in uh, the first episode of Caesar Mandalore. That idea, so yeah, you know, um, I I think that when that's a really good point about like when we're looking at um, the big scale of things, like why is she willing to help Kanan and Ezra? I think she has an understanding that you need to be helping people, and it's it's she doesn't go you know she doesn't join the rebellion to help the rebellion it's not for the rebellion it's for the people that the rebellion is going to help um it's kind of like the dynamic between her and bail organa right she doesn't want to be this rallying point for people because she's seen that the danger of making one person or one thing or one idea you know such a a so important right and the downfall of that versus you know living day to day in helping people um these people in terms of canaan and ezra just happen to also have force powers uh, so and, and i think that's kind of like the transition we get in ahsoka is it stops becoming about organizations it stops becoming about you know groups and it starts becoming about people which i find extremely compelling and inspiring honestly you know there's always like that what if um Qui-Gon had been able to train Anakin and then you also that brings up a good point like what if Ahsoka had met Qui-Gon yeah Hmm. yeah that's a good point man that would have been so cool oh what could have been fan fiction people get on it get on it um so yeah I I think that was a really powerful kind of way to end this uh this arc um I think we've kind of talked about you know, how things maybe were a little dragged out. Uh, we talked about kind of what we had hoped for um, with the the tension of her not being a Jedi, uh, or excuse me, her admitting that she was a Jedi to the sisters and when that should have happened. Um, but I want to go like to the last couple moments as we start to wrap up here. Ahsoka, you know, when she gets approached by Bo-Katan, is very wary of being anywhere near the Jedi, um, and, and for me, the, the way I kind of read that is like when you break up with someone that you really love uh, and you know you shouldn't go see them, you know you shouldn't, you know, go to the place that they work and tell yourself that you're just innocently going to buy a pair of jeans, but you can't help yourself, <laughs> you know, um, you you're you act the same way. Um, or, or even if you like meet them, you know, in a friendly social situation, you start acting like you were in that relationship versus versus acting like who you are trying to become. Um, and I think that that's kind of an idea that I really like going into Siege of Mandalore with Ahsoka of like, okay, we know she doesn't become a Jedi again, 
but also, you know, where is that cutoff? You know, I, I think that's the really interesting thing about just this whole, these two arcs together, something that, that I think they're going to really dig into is like, where does, where's the line of like doing good versus becoming a warrior, right? Like wars not yeah. make one great. I would just make one amendment to the analogy because it is such a good analogy from Ahsoka's point of view in terms of what it me would mean for her. But it's not like kind of just creeping into the store where your ex used to work. It's having to kind of fall on your knees and go back to your ex to be like, hey, I know things ended badly, but I kind of need your help with this. Like, oh, you're the yeah. only person who'd be able to help me. So, you know, maybe there were things that we were both wrong about, but I'm I'm going to just eat, you know, I, I eat crap, I guess you could say. And you were you were right enough. I need your help. And then on the flip side, after you asked for help, still having to protect yourself and protect your personal growth. It must be so hard for Ahsoka to know what the right thing to do right now is in terms of trusting the Mandalorians and knowing if you should help. So even to not be able to go to that ex and be like, hey, you know me better than anyone else. You know this situation that I'm in in a way no one else can. What do you think? Well, and also you you have the the tension between Ahsoka and the sisters, I think, is very similar to Ahsoka and Bo-Katan just kind of flipped. Whereas like Ahsoka is trying to get these sisters to trust her and they don't for obvious reasons. In the same way, Ahsoka is going to have to trust Bo-Katan, yeah. even though last time they talked... Mm. You know, um, she was like I mentioned, she was cutting heads off. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they they get into that a little bit more, whether it be actually in these episodes or if we get like a, uh, you know, Bo-Katan, Ahsoka team up kind of thing or or even we could eventually get more of them in maybe the Mandalorian. I don't know. We don't really know Bo-Katan's fate yet, right? <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. Um, OK, so just to, to, to wrap it up. Oh. Can we um, just gotta go for put it? This out there, social justice is got my name on it. Um, <laughs> I Fair just enough. really, I mean, I just really one thing is I just really wish Star Wars would stop making their POC characters spice dealers. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's spice a, runners. Mm. Like that's just a like <laughs> Poe. Now the it defeats the purpose like, of having them. Yeah, yeah, it's just. It's it's not cool. <laughs> and that is all I will say about that. Um, no, I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's debatable. I think that's right yeah. along the lines with like presenting slavery but never actually having anybody follow through with getting rid of slavery. Um I think for for the perspective of the POCs being spice dealers, I think is actually more hurtful. Um in terms of a, a narrative that keeps repeating than the slavery one is because people generally uh, who are watching Star Wars, you know, are going to know that slavery is, is not a good thing. Um, that's pretty that's that's something that's pretty simple to understand. Whereas, you know, um, I look at, you know, uh, I think about my students, you know, seeing um, 
two people of color and they're, be, you know, they're spice dealers. And if that becomes the norm, um, then we have a real problem. And I'll say yeah. too, Adriana, like, I hope you keep making that point. Because I remember when you made it for the first time about Poe in Rise of Skywalker, it was so impactful to me as your friend because it's something that I know is right when you point it out, but I don't see it myself. You know, I, I'm trying to be better about it and I'm trying to be more empathetic and putting myself in other people's shoes more often. But things like that, I don't necessarily catch. But as soon as you point it out, it's like I'm, I would never argue it. And I understand <laughs> the implications of it. So I think that the more often you and other people make those points, hopefully the less often it happens and the more people start to understand the real consequences of those decisions. Yeah, I just, I just get sad because I, I was like, oh, yay, look at them. They look like me, and then oh wait, mm. maybe not. Okay, <laughs> okay, I guess. Looks is where it ends. Looks is where it ends. I don't. Know. Well, and I, I mean, mean and, and not to say that necessarily what they do is you know like maybe not like not to say that it wouldn't happen because that obviously often happens in real life, but you know like if you're gonna have some some POC, if you're gonna have women of color, um not just putting them in the same role over and over again. Um, we need, we need them. Why can't they be Jedi? True or, diversity. You know, yeah. And yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. so kind of like two points um, there, you know, with what you were saying, Adriana of like, why can't we have them in different roles? You know, like, yes, it does happen um, in, in real life where we have, you know, people who are dealing drugs to, to get by. Um, but mythology speaks to our unconscious self, our highest form of ourselves. So if we continue to have, you know, these characters in this same old role, then that becomes, you know, the, the expectation. Yeah. Um, and, and mythology is supposed to call us to rise above that, that norm. And I think, Lindsay, kind of the way you summarized it, um, I think fits really well with this episode because this, or particularly this episode, but the arc as a whole of like, we don't really understand other people until we've, you know, kind of walked in their shoes sort of thing. Because it was, it was the very same thing. It was the same thing for me. Like, it completely changed um, how I read Poe's arc in Rise of Skywalker and why, if you listen to our characters episode that we came out with uh, last week, you know, Adriana, Adriana and I feel very similarly about how they handled Poe's arc. So, yeah, it's it's important for, so for Adriana. Um, Mark's done the same thing for us, I know. And just all of you who are listening, like, please, you know, share these these point of views, because that's the only way that that um, the fandom as a whole is going to to continue to grow and, and become better. So, um Let's go ahead and wrap up with uh, uh, giving this arc a little rating. And since I, for some reason, am absolutely in love with it, uh, we're going to do a rating one to five silver angels. I will defend <laughs> the silver angel. I think it's a great name. I think it's a great ship. I would just like to, to, to say, Adriana, if you want to do an episode on me shipping the silver angel with me. Um, 
you know, or the Silver Angel and the Ghost. Just throwing ideas out there. Uh, rating. I know that some people ship uh, Trace and Ahsoka. I would be totally okay with that. Um, That's going to have to be an episode. Yeah, that, or, that would Or like be. a face-off episode. Trace and Ahsoka versus Caden um, from the novel and Ahsoka. <gasps> <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Oh, Man. I just have to find people now. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I know a guy. Um, I can help you out there. Uh, so, one to five silver angels. What do you give it, Adriana? Can I... Can I hear your guys's first? Oh, so you just want to <laughs> peer pressure? Okay, okay. Lindsay, go ahead. Um, I'll give this one a, a solid three. It was enjoyable. It wasn't absolutely action-packed and star-studded, but I'm coming to understand that not everything can or even should be. You know, if everything was absolutely perfect 10 out of 10 it would really take away from those bigger events like i'm expecting siege of mandalore to turn into um so i think that this accomplished what it wanted to accomplish i just wish it wanted to accomplish something else yeah i um i will admit that i have my ahsoka colored glasses on um when watching this arc because I really liked it, um, and I know a major part of it is just because it's more Ahsoka content. Um, and again, like I always do with Ahsoka's character, it's it's uncanny. Um, honestly, a little unsettling at times. Like I relate so much to um, what she's going through um, in this story. So for me, I'm giving it a solid four silver angels. Four silver angels. So now, Adriana, now that you know where we are, you can kind of gauge where you want to be. Uh, Just make sure I, you fit in. Um, I'm going to go right in the middle. I'm going to give it 3.5 silver <gasps> angels. Speak. You're going to cut the silver angel in half? <laughs> okay. Well, listen. Just like Rafa wants to. I, I was going to give it three. I was going to give it three. But, you know, after after our conversation about the sisters and, you know, being able to look back and be like, mm, okay, I understand. And then knowing, like, that their, their dynamic is very accurate with the sisters and, and understanding why I didn't at first like it as much as I wanted to, now I'm ready to say three and a half because it's it was enjoyable and now that I have talked it out i understand my feelings and emotions so three <laughs> fair enough fair enough um I, I you know you got to leave a little bit of room with the expectations for uh siege of mandalore <laughs> uh being a five out of five silver angels so that's what we will talk about uh next time we visit the clone wars uh we will have a couple episodes coming out in between them. Uh, I know at the time of recording, myself and Lindsay are uh, recording a very special episode tomorrow that will be out uh, the week after this one. Um, so there's lots of good content coming out for you guys, both at ClashingSavers.net and um, on the podcast. So make sure you are checking that out. And like I mentioned, come hang out in the Facebook group and do these uh new games and activities we're doing on a regular basis. Um, but in terms of content coming out, Adriana, tell them where they can find you and what you have coming up on Starships. So I, you can find me on Twitter at Instagram 
uh, at Celestial Intent. Uh, I have had this episode trying trying to pan it out. It's kind of hard because now that we're in quarantine, uh, she's full time mom. <laughs> so oh. trying to figure out when to record this episode has been a little challenging. But I do think I'm gonna have Brandon on. I'm gonna hold you to that. We're gonna okay. do an Ahsoka episode. Okay. I'm- Get ready. I am, I guess I need to reread the novel and really get my uh, text evidence oh, ready. Oh, poor Brandon. Oh, and then I was going to ask, because I do not play Jedi Fallen Order. I have seen on the Twitters, um, Cal Kestis, <laughs> right? That's his, that's yep. his name, yeah. Cal Kestis. Yeah. And there's another, there's another chick, and she's got black on. She's got straight hair. They ship them. Yeah, there's... I don't know okay. her name. You, you and I can chat because there's there's a couple. I think there's oh. actually one with the with the. Um, she looks like she's like the character that you're thinking of. Who's a bad guy? Inquisitors. Yeah, the second yeah. sister. But I I actually ship him with there's a um, Dathomirian Night Sister character. Oh, oh, okay. Well, yeah. that might have to be another battle episode then. Yeah. So oh. this uh, there, there's but a I, few I'm options like, for you. I'm trying to figure out her name so that I can ask people to be on the show. It's uh, <laughs> it, it's Trilla, right? Isn't it? It is. Nancy? Yeah, okay. the second sister. Second Trilla. sister. So okay. if you ship Cal and anybody, get in touch with Adriana on Twitter or uh, email us Clashing Sabers Network at gmail.com. Lindsay, tell them oh, what wow. you are up to and where they can find you uh, practicing elementary school games. So you guys can always find me on <laughs> Facebook, definitely practicing those elementary games um, in our Facebook group as well. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at the Lady of Lore. And then, of course, on the Clashing Sabers Network. I'm here on the flagship show as well as on Don't Burn the Sacred Text. And I do have a few articles that I'm working on over for the um, site. So check out our different blog posts and different thoughts and insights there. All right, and until next time, make sure you remember the most important message in all of Star Wars. Batch 8. Hi-ho. Adriana, come on, we've done this before. But Lindsay's here. <laughs> you still have to do it. Okay, okay. Hi-ho. The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just used it for informational and educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it. It's ours. They made it. It's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here. <laughs>